Hello and welcome to the Girl Tries Life podcast where we show you that women are capable of absolutely incredible things with right tools, strategies, and mindset in place. I'm your host, Victoria Smith, a stress reduction coach who's all about helping you reduce your stress, perform better, and actually enjoy your daily life. Now, today on the podcast, I am rejoined by one of our top guests. It's only the second time I've had a repeat visitor. Uh, You will know her possibly as Amy Mitchell, but she's since been married since coming on the podcast, and her name is now Amy Stubbs. Amy and I uh, created the Stress Less in 90 Days program together. We've got a new program launching called Stress Less About Your Body, and I know a couple weeks ago I shared uh, an episode on sort of my journey with learning to love my body and learning to embrace it. Uh, So this time Amy talks about really how she was very entrenched in diet culture and how it affected her uh, relationship with her body, the strategies that she used to get to the other side of that. Amy and I are kind of on different ends of the spectrum in that I was more of an overeater and an emotional eater and all those things. And Amy was an over-exerciser and an over-dieter kind of thing, uh, or an extreme dieter kind of thing. Before we get started, uh, the Girl Tries Life podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is powered by ATB. This particular episode is brought to you by Inventures. Uh, It's a chance to connect with the best and the brightest in global innovation. You'll join over 4,000 creatives and curious minds on the frontier of innovation. There's more than 250 speakers on six program tracks, including Innovation of Work, The Future is AI, Healthier Living, Broader Thinking, Smart Cities, Vibrant Communities, really interesting topics. It connects entrepreneurs and startups with venture capitalists, angel investors, service providers, and thought leaders. Now, this isn't happening till June 3rd, uh, from June 3rd till June 5th. So with everything going on in the world, I'm sure everything will have calmed down significantly by then. So like, let's not worry about it. The conference also includes an education tracks for students, so students can actually get a ticket for just $199. Tickets for everyone else is $399 if you buy before the end of April. So you can get your tickets today at InVenturesCanada.com. So that's I-N-V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S, InVenturesCanada.com. Now, I do want to tell you about another member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Now, given, again everything going on in the world, I think having a little bit of fun, a little bit of fiction, a little bit of nothing to do with the news is super powerful. So I want to tell you about the Read Along podcast. So it's kind of just as it sounds. The Read Along is a mini book club for your ears. You join Scott and Anita Bourgeois on a chapter by chapter journey through a good book. So one of the books, the book that they're reading right now is called The Municipalists. I'm clearly not saying that very well because I've got a little bit of a lisp today, but uh, they're on chapter 15. So you kind of actually have the chance to go all the way back and listen from the start. Like you could actually binge it. So I think you would really enjoy So that is a little bit about the Read Along podcast. I hope you check it out and you can find uh, links in the show notes today. Before we get into anything else, I did just want to say, like recognizing what's going on in the world, COVID and coronavirus, all, all that stuff. I'm in Alberta, so there's quite serious action being taken right now. And I know it's very stressful for a lot of people, right? Like, it it just is at times like these. So I have recently done a newsletter where I linked to where I provided some advice and some resources on how to sort of manage your stress during uh, COVID-19. So I'm going to link to that in my show notes as well in case that's of interest to you. I'll link it in the description. Um, In short, there's a lot of stress and anxiety going on right now, but there are things that you can do to better manage it so that you don't kind of tip over into panic mode, right? Like that's not beneficial for anyone. So I share four strategies to help you reduce that stress so that you can be more productive, uh, more thoughtful, more um, proactive in how you're managing your stress at this time. Without further ado, let's head into the episode with Amy. Well, thank you so much, Amy, for being a return guest to the Girl Tries Life podcast. Yay! Thank you so much for having me again. You're the only, uh, you're the second person that I've had back for a second time. Oh! So it's very special. Oh, I do feel special. <laughs> 
Well, and your episode, for listeners that haven't listened to it, I highly recommend you go back and check it out. I will link to it in today's show notes. But your your episode was one of the most downloaded ones. And I think partly because you were so open and honest about the toxic relationship that you had been in and those struggles, right? Like those are things we often don't share so openly about. So thank you for that. Aw, well, thank you for giving me a platform to share. It was really the first time... I had opened up about that. So it was interesting. Some people coming up to me that know me now, but don't really know anything about my past and going, wow, I didn't realize you had been through that. So it was, it was good. It was really kind of healing, healing piece. Well, and it's funny, Hey, like you and I were just talking about this before we hit record, but that so much of what goes on with people behind the scenes or in their history, right? Like you can't read it from a a simple interaction with them. Like we've all been through so much, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So today uh, we wanted to dive a little deeper into your sort of journey with your body. And so two weeks ago on the podcast, I shared my sort of journey to, to loving my body, embracing it as it is. And in part, we're doing this because we do have our new Stress Less About Your Body program. But program aside, I think this has just been such an important journey for each of us in our own lives, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I want to sort of go back to the beginning and talk about like, what were some of those first experiences that you remember of either body shaming or dieting or, or any of that. Um, Yeah. I just wanted to say too, I loved your, um, your body journey. I loved listening to that. I thought you were very raw and authentic and it was just really, um, it was really a good, a good listen. Oh, thanks. So, yeah. Um, so as far as my kind of going back, I, I was pretty, I was, pretty non like it didn't really I danced growing up so um but we didn't really have that studio that was so totally so focused on weight or anything there was I do remember some some girls that were more focused than others but I I was kind of like I went through puberty and I was kind of like a stick and I just I remember thinking I wish I was bigger for hip hop (laughs) like I just (laughs) wanted to be I felt awkward and um, and actually on the too, like, too skinny side for how I wanted to move my body. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of laugh at that now because it's just, it's just that teenage angst, right? Like whatever you, you always want what the opposite is, right? Kind of thing. Yeah. So it was, it, I was definitely, I definitely grew up within privilege and I, um, I, I recognize that. And, um, yeah, so I didn't really notice anything with that I was always very like active in my body and very in tune with my body being a dancer and then it wasn't probably till about 16 when I went on my first like oh let's kind of start you know clean eating with my mom and uh, as my brother's wedding coming up and we kind of started like exercising together and and just kind of like you know eating clean and it uh, it was kind of that first time down that path and of like trying to I guess lose weight and it was it was really you know it was the, the first time anybody goes on a on a dieting journey it's quite easy to lose the weight and then every consecutive time after that gets harder and harder I find but it was the uh, it was really, it was a catch-22 because it was really fun to work out with my mom. And we've worked out many, many times since then and uh, together and enjoyed it very much. But it was that kind of first time I started to notice what I'm eating or what I'm re- starting to restrict. And that was kind of, I wouldn't say got the ball rolling or anything like that, but it was just the first time I remember trying to restrict my food choices. And sorry, how old were you? Uh, probably 16. Yeah. It was, yeah, the summer between grade 11 and 12, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, and like, look, it was just to fit into a dress, like, or just to, you know, feel better in a dress. It wasn't like anything drastic, but it was just, I remember 
as the first time I probably remember restricting food. Mm -hmm. And I remember when you and I were doing our training together. So we, for listeners, we, Amy and I trained together at the Health Coach Institute Mm -hmm. and we coached each other for about, you know, three, four or five months um, every single week. And some of these issues came up, right? Like we talked about our our body image and how we how we grew up. And I I kind of always felt I was on the the side of having been overweight for a long time, or or traditionally deemed that way. And you had kind of talked about going on the other side of things of like working like overworking mm-hmm. out and over uh, on that side of things. So can you tell me a little bit about yeah. how that's shown up in your life? Yeah, well, that was probably about five, like, oh, probably six or seven years ago, I guess, now. Um, It only seems like yesterday, but I think I've been with my husband now for five years, (laughs) Um, and it was definitely before that. So um, I was always really active. Uh, I really, you know, like different kind of races or different, like, dancing and different things, and then I kind of just got into... (laughs) a different and another toxic relationship because you know one isn't enough Mm -hmm. and uh and then it was during that relationship that I was I was very unhappy and I just wanted out of the house and I was you know crying myself to sleep kind of thing so I had no appetite and I was probably working out one to three hours a day depending on if that looks like going for runs or taking a friend's dog out for the dog park for three hours kind of thing, just like to get out of the house. And then on top of that, I was so unhappy that I had no appetite. So I was constantly like putting so much pressure on my body um, and really just uh, over, over exercising, under eating. And it, you know, it, I was, by far the thinnest I've ever been. And it was also, you know, one of the unhappiest times Mm -hmm. as well. So just kind of goes to show, right? Uh, That doesn't equate happiness, but it was, it was really with that journey that I, I, I felt a lot of fake self-worth in those like after photos. Right. Like just kind of this false sense of like, oh, my gosh, like, look at my after photos. Like, look, like I felt so proud, but I was also like so (laughs) miserable. And I just I look back on that and cringe now thinking, I mean, I've done a lot of work to get to the point I'm at right now. But like the the that like I say, that that sense of self-worth being wrapped up in the scale weight, um, in the clothes size, in the after photos, like it all, it was all just so, at the time, it was like the only thing I had control over. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of where that kind of led to. And then, yeah, and then it was just from there, just kind of kept that over exercising and whatnot. Um, and that, and that just led to injury after injury after injury. <laughs> That's a, yeah. Injury because you would sort of push through the pain or. Yeah. Like I, uh, I ended up leaving that relationship and, um, had some time on my own and stuff. And then I ended up meeting my, meeting my now husband and, I just like signed up for a triathlon and I was like, um, you know, we were eating a lot of food (laughs) and, you know, the first stage of the relationship, right, is eating out a lot and all that kind of stuff. And it was, I was like constantly training for something and then pushing through when I knew my body was like, hey, you should rest. Like, and I was like, no, I'll work out five to six days a week. And, um, and just kind of kept pushing through when I like, I could hear my body saying like, Hey, this doesn't feel good. And I was like, Oh, okay, well, I gotta, gotta keep up, gotta keep going, gotta mm-hmm. keep pushing through. And it wasn't until I ended up with two rotator cuff injuries, which put me on the couch, couldn't put a shirt over my head for about 16 weeks, 
couldn't do my hair. <laughs> my my uh, coworkers were doing my hair for me, and uh, and it wasn't until that point where my body was actually just like, hey, you're done. Like I am done with you right now. We are sitting on the couch. It wasn't until then. I think that's when I actually got into. I'm trying to piece together the timeline, but that's when I think health coaching was like thrusted into my life as well. And that was when I also went on my last diet was Mm -hmm. when I was on the couch. And I remember thinking, well, I can't work out, but I could really control what I eat. Mm -hmm. And I remember that distinctly um, Sunday night eating a whole pizza because that's what you do the Monday before you start a diet, right? (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. Uh, still, still cringeworthy now, but I hope, you know, it's, it is normal. And I know that some of the listeners will probably resonate with that because, right, let's get it all out of the house on Sunday so we can start again on Monday. Um, and by all out of the house, that, you mean in your body. <laughs> in my body. In <laughs> Me my too. Body. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that was, um, that was kind of the last time I actually ended up, um, restricting or ended up dieting and because then I found I found my my new bible which is the intuitive eating book um when I was kind of forced to sit and do nothing but study and read and listen to podcasts and all that and that uh that was the big game changer for me so it sounds like it wasn't like an aha moment as such but more just like taking in these pieces of information and insight and just being like no this is not how I want to continue with my body yeah yeah it's not fun to always be restricting and always like it's just and I there was so much food obsession I remember always focusing on the cheat days always focusing on the next meal like as I'm eating breakfast I'm thinking about lunch Mm -hmm. like as I'm you know it was there was no room for growth and I felt like when I started the health coaching school as well right like as you know it's it's a lot and it makes you self-reflect a lot and you do a lot of inner work as well. And so it was like, oh my gosh, if I'm so focused on this food and my body, I'm not going to be able to focus on growing a business and a life and all these other things. And so I am happy to report that there is life beyond food obsession. Yeah. But I imagine it wasn't overnight getting rid of the food obsession right (laughs) oh my gosh no it's been how long Victoria have we when did we start like would you say two years ago 2017 August 2017 yeah and then we found we found intuitive eating a little bit into that right yeah yeah and I I would say we both well maybe more so me than you, but like struggled with intuitive eating at the beginning of, um, in some ways feeling like it was a diet, but then once you kind of, mm-hmm. or not a diet, sorry, it wasn't a diet, but it felt like there were more rules. And so I know that I rebelled a little bit against that at the beginning, or I didn't yeah. trust it would probably yeah. be more accurate. And so yeah. that's why I always say to people, intuitive eating is not an overnight thing. I had to kind of learn that the rules are basically just listen to your body, right? And then even if you don't listen to your body and you binge or you whatever to treat your body with respect and kindness, right? Mm-hmm. So they're so they're not vicious rules by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> but it's it's it was such a mind switch of like, oh, I can I can be nice to myself even if I've eaten an entire pizza, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that was that was also the biggest thing. I know we talked about this a lot is when you go over that, okay, now I can eat whatever I want. I'm rejecting the diet mentality. I'm going into this. It's almost like salads become the diet world and carbs and other things become the intuitive eating world. And I found that for a long time, I like pushed back, like rebelled against the eating salads or eating vegetables or eating foods that actually did feel good in my body because I didn't want to fall or even meal prepping because I, I put meal prepping in with diet culture, dieting. 
and which mean you now know like if you actually just meal prep like whatever you want doesn't matter what the food is it's actually just taking stress out of your life yeah. by having you prepared and fed um but so there was definitely a transition and probably a good long time I'd say almost a year that I struggled to kind of marry the two like okay I can just because I eat a salad doesn't mean I'm back in diet culture and that was like that was definitely I would say probably one of the hardest transitions um but now knowing like it's all food is just food. There's no moral value on the food. And that, and that does not come overnight. Yeah. And everybody might have a different principle that they struggle with the most, like depending on what has been their biggest challenge or their biggest messaging from, you know, from a young age, it's not, it's not going to happen over, especially if it took decades to put that message into your system, yeah. it's not going to change overnight. Um, but the time's going to pass anyways. So even if it takes a year or two or three, it's still worth it at the yeah. end of it. Right? So you, okay. you used a term there that I think maybe not all our listeners would know that well, diet culture. So I just oh, want to, I just want to explain for people, diet culture is basically this system of beliefs that really worships thinness and it, it and it equates your health really to what you look like and what you weigh on the scale and not actually anything else that's going on mentally, physically, any of those things. And it also almost makes your health like a moral virtue that if you're not quote unquote healthy, then you're failing, right? So when you, it's funny, when you and I were, were doing the intuitive eating training, um, like full disclosure to people, we did the training, but we didn't certify both for our own sort of reasons. Yeah. But um, when we were doing that sort of exercise on noticing diet culture around you, what were some of the things or some of the things still today that you start mm. to, to see and you're like, diet culture? Yeah, definitely the way people talk, even in my workplace, uh, really, like, you don't really notice it until you notice it. And then it's <laughs> so clear just talking about, oh, I was so good today, I was so bad today, or talking about weight gain, or talking about, you know, just different, just different things about, especially around Christmas, right? Yeah, and so just like, I would say, yeah, language was the biggest thing that I noticed. And being a group fitness instructor, too, like I, I had to learn and to watch and kind of change I don't think I had to change it too too much but I had to really make sure that I wasn't praising the weight loss or anything like that and more so noticing like what my clients were doing like what they couldn't do six months ago what their bodies were capable of you know and and not talking about getting bikini body ready and all that kind of stuff um, which is going to be upon us any moment for our listeners. Uh, you will start. Yeah. It's March. You're going to start to <laughs> yeah. see these adverts very shortly yeah. of get bikini body ready. Yeah. And, and it's, that's what I just kind of found. I mean, obviously, yes, there's the messaging all around us um, that you start to notice, especially if you follow certain people on, on social media, but that seemed more obvious. Like, the magazines and all that kind of stuff. But I, I did find the language that people were using the most shocking and also the language that I would sometimes slip back into and then catch myself and go like, oh, actually, I didn't really mean to say that. I'm just bringing awareness to it. Like you know, we both say bring curiosity to the table instead of judgment. And it was more so kind of catching myself and going, okay, I don't want to say it that way next time. How would I rephrase that? And... So that was also, and it still is, my gosh, I'm not perfect by any means. So I still say things, but I'm like, oof, I didn't mean that. Um, but really just learning, kind of like learning a new language, because a lot of women especially bond over, um, over weight loss or what they're doing or how they did it or, you know, that kind of stuff. And so that, that was kind of the biggest thing to me was noticing that. 
And it's almost like when you decide that you're not going to diet or do all of that anymore, it's almost like you take yourself, you isolate yourself from community, right? Because just what you're saying, people bond over this. So when you're like, no, I'm not going to diet, people are kind of like, oh, and, Mm -hmm. and pull back from it, right? Yeah, for sure. And and I just want to be clear here too that I have never gone on a diet per se in the sense of Atkins, you know, South Beach, Whole30, Paleo, whatever that might look like, um, whatever the fat is. I've never done that. It's always been under the umbrella of clean eating. Yeah. Which I just want to say when you learn about it, anything that is forcing your body into a smaller uh, version of yourself, anything that is restricting, anything that is causing food obsession, anything that is measuring you on uh, like that BMI scale. Is a diet. That is a diet. It's a diet. (laughs) And so just because, right, we could say it's for my health. Well, it's your mental health, right? Like what about your mental health? Um, Because, there's also the, you know, and I know that you've, you've interviewed, right, Michelle Elman and of Scared Not Scared. And it's just like what she said, like when she was the sickest, people would compliment her on her weight loss. And she's like, actually, I'm really, really sick. I just spent the last months in hospital. Yeah. But thanks for noticing that, you know, and it's people don't connect. Like, actually, I'm super sick. It's not some diet I'm doing. Yeah. And that is, it just goes to show that as much as people are concerned about our health, they're not, they're concerned about the aesthetic of it. So, yeah. Yeah. And that those are the kinds of things that when you learn about it, you start to get really angry (laughs) and you can use that, you can use that anger as fuel instead of just like, just like, um, sitting in that anger, you can use that as like, holy, what do I need to open my eyes to? And what do I need? What can I do to change that? Yeah. So the funny thing is that while you were going through a lot of this transformation, um, you were also engaged in planning a wedding. And And that is like the prime time for people to get into diet mode, right? Like I want to look the best I can on my wedding day. I want to lose a couple dress sizes. I'll buy a dress that's smaller than what I actually am as motivation. So I know a little bit of this because I know you, but can you tell sort of our (laughs) listeners um, what that experience was like for you? Yeah. And how you dealt with it. That That was probably one of the most beautiful experiences of my life and knowing that when I actually went like going through I felt pretty solid by the time that we were engaged and planning the wedding I was pretty solid in my intuitive eating journey and kind of kicking the diet to the curb um but it it was it had to be very conscious yeah because it's very easy to slip into, hey, start this plan before your wedding, sweat it out before the wedding or whatever, right? And uh, all those types of things, was, it would have been very easy to fall into that. And it did take me constantly reminding myself like, nope, we're good. I know what that's going to do to me because, and I remember talking to my seamstress um, as well saying, hey, look, I I don't want to lose any weight before the wedding. So let's make sure, you know, this is all kind of good. And the only thing that I did notice was um, going from winter to summer. Sometimes we just naturally, you're outside more and you're eating more lighter foods, right, than the winter. But really, I don't think I shifted my weight at all. I also don't really weigh myself. Um, But it was that... that (laughs) The best thing about that for me was not even just not dieting pre-wedding. It was not binging post-wedding. And that, that was so like, so powerful and so empowering to me that I was like, nothing changed. We didn't, I didn't change my eating patterns. I didn't change after not like the honeymoon I was like give me all the carbs (laughs) which I like I know myself well enough to know that had I done that 
I would have been a hot mess and it wouldn't have been very fun for my husband either. Yeah. Um, because let's face it, when we need carbs, we're not the nicest. So, um, <laughs> angry. And, yeah. <laughs> right. Speaking for myself, I guess. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so that was a really empowering realization. Like, oh my gosh, I just went through a wedding. Like the thing that most is most marketed to us as the time to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, if you don't mind, I'll uh, share too. I am 30 weeks pregnant yeah. and, <laughs> and not, and going through this as an intuitive eater has also been super empowering and really noticing my body changing and noticing the stretch marks coming and noticing all that my body's doing for me and and gaining weight and we were talking about that before this is I only weigh myself now when I go to my midwife and and I don't know where this whole like 25 30 pound weight gain thing came from during pregnancy um because that seems quite low to me but every everybody everybody is so different and they will gain weight or um or whatnot at their own pace but like for me, I didn't really have that much morning sickness in the first trimester, but any nausea was um, kind of put down by food. So I was like, I was just eating a lot, right? And it just felt good. And I was listening to my body and I was building. And that's just, I haven't even really thought about like, I'm more proud of myself like when I eat a vegetable because I'm like, hey, I'm doing something for my body that... I didn't want the first trimester vegetables were like the most disgusting thing. So I was like, it does feel good to eat some veggies. Yeah. Um, and more so just noticing like what my body wants and how I feel in it. And, and that is, that's, it's a big change, right? It's a big, it's a, probably the biggest change in my life um, for sure. And that's, that's like a journey of itself. And it will be interesting to see, how I find comfort and how I, how I handle the postpartum journey yeah. as well. Do you know what's occurring to me that's really interesting here is I think for many women, it's easier to be an intuitive eater when pregnant because everyone says, listen to your body. What does your body need? Or a lot of people say that, right? The doctors and the healthcare yeah. professionals. And they're like, if you don't feel like vegetables, like eat the carbs, like your body's right. telling you what it needs. Yeah. And yet how come as soon as the baby's born or before you even have the baby, we're not saying, listen to your body. Are you hungry? If you're hungry, mm-hmm. eat. Don't just have a glass of water. Yeah. Like yeah. I find it really interesting and I think for women especially that we're we're told self care so that you can take care of others. Intuitive eat like listen to your body so that the baby's healthy. Like we don't necessarily seem to do these for ourselves for the sake of ourselves, right? Yeah. Yeah. And my, uh, when I was getting my, my first prenatal massage and I was talking to my RMT and she's amazing. And she was like, she's like, you know, the first time I was really in tune with my body was when I was pregnant. And she's like, it was the first time I was able to kind of like look inward and listen to what I needed. And I just thought that was really powerful because it's, you know, everyone kind of has their own journey and stuff and pregnancy or not, it's what does that look like for you? Like, have you ever listened to your body? Have you ever been able to tune in? And, and just as a reminder, we all start out as intuitive eaters. We all start out knowing what we need and what we want. And over time, the messaging bombards us or a parent puts us on a diet or our physician or something, right? Something happens. And it starts that messaging and it starts that shifting, Mm -hmm. but it's just really that relearning of our body signals and our body cues. And when you're right, it's, it's, as soon as it becomes for something else, we're able to listen. But if it's just for us, then it's like, no, I got to listen to everybody else and their rules. Yeah. It's interesting. And so one of the things in coaching that we do all the time when we start with a client is we're saying like, what could open up for you in your life if you were whatever? And in this case, less stressed about your body. You have gone through this journey. So I want to ask like, 
usually when we ask that question, it's like imagining the future, right? So I want to ask the actual, what has opened up for you in your life as a result of this? Yeah, I uh, <clears throat> I don't want to say any like um, numbers because I know yeah, numbers yeah. are triggering, but, uh, but I definitely gained, gained like a significant amount of weight since I've started dating um, my husband from like to even pre-pregnancy and that that alone going through that journey oh I gained a certain amount of weight and I also gained my life back like that was so important to me to I'm not thinking about all the food and obsessing about it and all that like I, I love food but it's not what I'm, it's just part of my day now. It's not my whole day focused on that. And so I've been able to like start a business, right? I've been able to, um, to coach with you. We've been able to create content. We've been able to, um, been able to focus on my life and my relationships and what I like and what I want. And that is, really kind of that's you know moving my body at a pace that works for me um getting out more with my three dogs um and really you know just going hiking or going that and listening to my body do i need more sleep today or do i need to get up and like you know just have a an amazing early morning what and actually tuning into that has left my body like so much more like it's like thank you (laughs) um yeah and that's that's what I like I would say everything opened up for me once I once I because I can't I couldn't also take my clients where they need to go if I hadn't been there first yeah I think and I and it would be like to be able to coach my clients now around you know, around their body, their relationship to their body and food and their confidence and building a life that they love, I I wouldn't be able to do that if I hadn't gone through that journey and hadn't gone, like, through that process. So, and, and knowing that it is possible because I hold the space for them to know that, like, you want this? I see you there. I, I know that you're capable of this. That confidence right now, you're going to be, like, confidence through the roof and what I'm seeing right now with my clients is just unbelievable and I don't think I would be able to support them to their highest potential if I didn't really truly believe it was possible yeah oh I love that I, I yeah I'm a fan <laughs> and, and I am so proud of you for for going through this right because then it would be so easy Right. And like, and no one would judge you for falling back into that diet culture, right? Because it's so strong. It's so all encompassing. It's everywhere you go, right? Like I've had to be so conscious on my social media. Um, The thing that drives me nuts, the most nuts now is when I go on social media and I see the before and after pictures, right? And I get why people are sharing it. I get that they feel they've made a lot of progress and all that sort of stuff, but it is very much reinforcing that feeling of, well, you can't be happy in the before. You're only happy yeah. in the after. And I think yeah. you you and I both really bonded over the um, Taryn Brumfit. Um, mm. Oh, I'm just trying to remember the name of the book right now. Embrace. Embrace, yeah. Um, yeah. And she she's an Australian woman that maybe a lot of people have seen where she, where her before and afters were reversed. Her before was yeah. like a bodybuilding competition that she'd entered and the after would be traditionally deemed overweight. And yet she's happy mm-hmm. and she's smiling and she's not obsessed and she's living her life yeah. and she's not obsessed, yeah. right? Like she's mm-hmm. not letting the stress of trying to be a certain way of her trying to fit her body into a certain mold, hold her back from all the other things that are so much more important in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, I've actually thought I would do that too because I found a few pictures of me that I just like, Holy, I was that 
that's not me kind of thing. And to now, I'm like, because I am so much happier now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my body has obviously changed. But it's also, um, it's also just noticing that, wow, like you say, like seeing really like her mental health, right? Like, yeah. or what is like the mental health? Because the other thing that uh, Christy Harrison points out in her new book, Anti-Diet, is weight loss does not last long term, first no. of all. If it does, for the 2 to 5% of people that it does, she questions what is your relationship with food like mm-hmm. at, the, at the, the post five years, right? Or like what is your relationship to the scale? What is your relationship to meals, to food? Is it what's the moral value on all of that? Because that is, is it still that obsession? obsession right and that's just a biological need for our bodies to if we're in restriction mode to only think about food yeah so and that's like how do you have full-on mental clarity mental peace when we are being so bogged down and how do you fight for the big things how do you live a big life if you're forced to be small yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and and that's just in but like I say it doesn't happen overnight but it is it's possible. Yeah. And when you when you start to focus on uh, also following more people that are in that headspace, you start to realize that, like you actually have a lot of control over your social media and who you who you see when you log on, um, who you're looking at. That's your choice. You can unfollow whoever you don't want to. And when you start to fill your feed with inspiring, positive, you know, real diverse bodies, different, you know, different abilities, different things like that, different backgrounds, different races, all of a sudden it's, oh, I'm not just looking at this one thin ideal, you know, of, of what we should be. And it's like osmosis, right? Like it starts to sink in bit by bit. So like, like you're saying, even if people aren't feeling they're quite in the, in the intuitive eating or in the uh, stressing less about your body headspace, starting by following some of those people and having those conversations and exposing yourself to it, it starts to sink in and feel more achievable. Right. Cause I think a lot of people are like, I can't like loving my body. What I've hated it for so long. The idea of loving my body Mm -hmm. feels impossible. And like you and I would often then say, we'll just get to body neutral, right? Just get Mm -hmm. to respecting your body the way it is and body neutral and body love will come eventually like give it time um yeah yeah well thank you so much for sharing I mean there's so many more things that we could touch on it but thank you so much for sharing that and I guess I would say this is a really great time to talk about our new program stress less about your body so I'll share a little bit first for me of why it was really important to create this program and then and then I'll throw it over to you uh but the reason and maybe I'm speaking for both of us here, I'm not sure, but the reason I felt it was so important for a program like this is because I think, like you're saying, you and I only really kind of fell into intuitive eating and and body love and body acceptance, partly because of the world that we were in and what we were being exposed to with health and life coaching. And now that we have that in our lives and we've, you know, it's such a big part of it, like, I wonder what it would have been like for us or how long it would have taken to go- to get there without that. So for me, it's kind of like, well, how can we shortcut that process and bring a curated amount of information to the table to help kickstart that journey to body love and body acceptance? Um, how about you? Yeah, and I, I, I definitely agree with that. And also thinking right when you say like we're in that world like it would also be really easy for us not don't forget to be in the world of health coaching for weight loss yes yes that is very true we have (laughs) we have and you know the the market's pretty strong for that um but we would have have made way more money (laughs) we would have been unhappy we would have been so unhappy and so like misaligned with our souls but yes and that is but we have both consciously chosen to, hey, that doesn't feel good. That's not what we want to do. We want to bring this into people's lives because 
for me, when I first read like Evelyn, um, Evelyn and Elise's book, Intuitive Eating, it was such a like mind blowing experience. And when I get my clients now on it, they're just like, everyone should read this book. Where has this been my whole life? Like, and so if we can even just give you like a curated six weeks about diet culture, about body positivity, about, you know, intuitive eating. Like if we can just give you just the start of that, like get the ball rolling. It's, I think it's like, just watch out. Like yeah. what can you do once you have that information? Because I like, a lot of people are like, where has this been my whole life? Why have I not been told this side of the picture? Yeah. Well, because that's right. If, if you love your body. Because it makes people less the- money. <laughs> it makes organizations less money yes. because you're not buying the diet product, because you're not signing up for Weight Watchers. You're not buying the gym membership. That's why. Yeah. yeah. And you're not, you know, it's, it's all those things. And if we all started loving our bodies, oh, oh, the, the, the diet industry would just collapse and it's like it's way too big of like a how many billions of dollars industry is it and and they 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 want us to not like our bodies so that we constantly feel like we need to fix it yeah so we we are here and we thought it was really important to make this program so that we could get that ball rolling and just like open hopefully open some doors of possibility to what it's like and we tried to make it really affordable because we're just you know we're we're just normal people too that uh that we want this for everybody not just for the elite that can afford it yeah and so I want to take people very quickly through what we cover in the program we've touched on it already we talk we start by talking about diet culture and you'll start to realize in these exercises like everything that is going on around you and how it is all built towards making you pay for something and making you feel that your body is wrong. And so do we we get you aware of that so that you can then buck against it. Uh, then we also talk about health at every size and truly how your health is not related to the number on the scale or the size in your pants, right? Like it's very much so many different factors that go into that. We then move into intuitive eating. So I would say intuitive eating is the longest um, video. It's the the heavy, meatiest week, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, like you're saying, we very much curate the information so you're not overwhelmed. So you've got what you need to start getting going with. And then if you want to read the book and you want to do all the things, you you know, you can continue that on your own. Mm-hmm. The, we then talk about the value of movement, but not movement in a you must punish yourself for like you have to earn <laughs> that dessert like or you have to punish yourself because you overate last night no 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 it's about moving for making you feel good in whatever that means for you maybe you want to feel strong maybe you want to feel free maybe you want to feel more loose and open and flexible like what is it moving maybe you just want to feel less anxious right So we talk about the value of movement. We talk about gratitude and how to deal with comfort, right? Like I think that's what you were saying of it'll be interesting for you to see postpartum if you are feeling the need for different types of comfort um, and how food does or does not play a role in that. It'll be really interesting. But so many of us comfort ourselves with food. And so we talk about what you could what you can try instead. And also that if you do comfort yourself with food, it's not the end of the world. and then finally, we move into self-love and respect and and principles on, you know, I think there's a really great conversation in week six about how you treat others versus how you treat yourself and what it would look like if you started treating yourself and, your, and loving yourself in that same way and giving yourself the same grace that you give to others. And throughout the whole program, so there's video and audio content every week, uh, but there's also, I think you and I see the huge value in the journal right? In asking the right questions to prompt people into some really powerful realizations about themselves, about their uh, experience with their body, the, the, the culture they've been exposed to growing up, the messages that they've been given. And in that journal, there's a couple little, little, uh, exercises, activities there for you to push yourself and get a little uncomfortable so that you can, 
open yourself up to new opportunities and new experiences. So I'm super proud of this program. Yeah. I know you are as well. I'm, I'm just so excited yeah. for people to try it. It's completely self-led, so you can start it at your own pace, and it comes with a Facebook group. So if you want that sort of group mentality of helping each other, cheering each other on, sharing ideas, I think that's um, it's a really great add-on for people. So Amy and I want to thank you for listening to the end of this episode and we really want to get you started on this journey to loving your body because we just know how freeing and how what a powerful experience it is so to thank our listeners if you use the code podcast 15 podcast 15 uh, on the stressless about your body page you'll get 15% off the program and that's going to be valid until the end of March so if this Yay. is something yeah so if this is something mm-hmm. that you're excited about starting like let's let's get you going let's save you 15% and honestly it's not even about the money it's about opening up all the opportunities that come for you in your life right about what you could do with that energy and that time and all the things that you could do instead of obsessing about what mm. you look like the food that's going into your body the calories that you're burning like let's get rid of that and open you up to the next best part of your life. Yes. And something that we didn't really touch on, and I just want to say is that it is, it is March now, which is hard to believe, but it is March. And, you know, we were all just marketed to in January about, you know, the diets and all those things. And now it's March where you said we're going to be marketed about the bikini bodies and all that stuff. Um, And it's really, like, if you have, say, and I say this in air quotes, fallen off the wagon um, or anything like that, I want you to know it's not you. It's not that you failed. It is that the diet has failed you and that the diet culture and the diet messaging is failing you. Like, you are not a failure. And that is so important to realize. And that's where I think a lot of empowerment and confidence can come from is knowing, oh my gosh, if I don't do, like, if I never get back on the wagon, I don't have to fall off again. Yeah. Um, and that, that's just so powerful. And we just, yeah, we really want to help empower you to know that you, you already are amazing and you already hold that. It's just, it's just the messaging that's being, that's being sent to you and, And we want to change that. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Amy, for your time, for sharing these vulnerable moments and experiences. And I love you. Yeah, I love you too. Thank you.